Funk Radio is brought to you by Overmental.com, the media culture hive mind. Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. Hello, Kyle. This is your host, Peter. We thought because... Oh, wait a minute. We don't want to start our real topic yet. Oh, yeah, that's true. We always start because... with a subtopic. Peter brought up something very interesting before we started recording, and I think it requires investigation on our show. Yeah, well, we were talking... Uh, I was... We were... Th- thinking about you know what what flavors of pop tarts don't exist and i was thinking about raspberry because that would be a really damn good pop tart flavor this is true and i don't think those exist i'm not sure i've never seen them in that i can remember as a kid but um did you look it up no because that was your job all right i'll look it up you're the numbers man i'm just a pretty face um apparently they are a thing son of a bitch well we need to do more pop tarts research before we start the show i think we need to do some in the field research and go grab some Mm. (laughs) see my my issue with this though is that they're the kind i don't like the flavors that have the frosted oh they're frosting i hate frosting i like the ones that are just plain on top yeah I think the only flavors that are plain are like blueberry and strawberry. That is correct. And yeah. possibly that cinnamon one. There's like a cinnamon one or something. Maple that cinnamon. one is also frosted. Really? Yeah. You frosted that? Here we That's kind of one reason why I don't eat those anymore. Because like, it's way too much sugar. Here we go. Poptarts.com slash flavors. Yeah, that's where I am right now. Oh my shits. There's an oatmeal brown sugar flavored Pop-Tart. I think I just crapped my pants with... That sounds freaking amazing. Oh, oh, and it's only got like the swirl frosting. It's not I, completely I could, covered. I could, do, I could deal with that. I yeah, could I could do with do. that. There's also Oatmeal Delight Strawberry. Holy crap, there's even ice cream ones. Wait, is that I just, have. Oh, are those the ones you're supposed to put in the freezer? I think, I think. so. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> We're basically like five-year-olds in a candy store. The Hot Fudge Sunday one actually looks kind of good. Yeah. Okay, but, Wild Licious uh, looks disgusting. No offense to Pop-Tarts. Wildlicious. Let me... Oh, are these... <laughs> oh, those, that's ones. classic, though. Yeah, they've had those forever. At least the <laughs> purple The purple, purple with, like, the blue swirl. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had that one. What is limited edition? Is it, like, a Pop-Tart with, like, gold flakes in it? Maybe. Gone Nutty. Gone Nutty peanut butter I might try. That's not bad. If it was sitting in front of me, I would try it. I wouldn't buy it, though. <laughs> I that pretty much goes for all of these, by the way. I really hope that Pop-Tarts hears this and mails us sample flavors so we can rec- report about them on our show. Funk Radio is brought to you by Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Give us money. Pop-Tarts. Eat them all day. <laughs> I don't know what their little tagline is. I don't either. Pop-Tarts. <laughs> I don't mind the taste. <laughs> we're going to hell so i guess we should move off of this so what are we talking about today mr kyle for our real topic um for, for our, our listeners who don't want to hear about pop tarts for 45 minutes which i don't know who wouldn't um <laughs> our actual topic is songs that have sequels because apparently Yay. those exist 
Yeah, I, I felt this was kind of an interesting topic um, yeah. to touch on. And I think it was something we kind of discovered by accident, right? I just realized, and I don't know if it counts towards our topic or if okay. I can just talk about it because it's weird. How many times have you stumbled across a song where it's a long song and it's like blah, blah, blah song parts one and two? Like, for example, who's that's that? true. Uh, there's a song like Who's That Lady or something by mm-hmm. the Commodores, I think. I don't remember. No, it's, it's the Isley Brothers. Thank you. By the Isley Brothers. And it's always Who's That Lady, parts one and two. But I've never heard them split up. One. It's always um, together. Well, you know why they do that, though. No. Right? Oh, well, because um, on like longer, because uh, on like 45s, I don't, you probably know like what the actual like time is. Oh, that are still out on one side. But on a single. Most of the time, there'll be an A side, and I'm just saying this for the benefit of the listeners. Most of the time, there's an A side and a B side, which are two different songs. Like there's like the A side, which is like the the single song that would be really popular, and then the B side would be like, "eh, we need to fill something in the back, so we'll put something else back there." Um, but in cases like this, where the song is actually basically twice as long as a regular song, they will put half of it on the A side and half on the B side. That's so, so that's why you see parts one and two. I am a complete idiot because I honestly never thought about that. Yeah, and you're not an idiot, but um, that is why that is that way. Um, I was about to say, yeah, I realized that, that was kind of bad. That was the perfect response to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I can think of actually a few different other songs that do the um, same thing. But I'm tr- one is totally on the tip of my tongue, but I cannot think of it. I think um, Fight the Power also by the Isley Brothers was part one and two. That makes sense. I think there's one by Billy um, Paul that's parts one and two, but I'm not sure. The Stevie Wonder song, was it Fingertips? Or am I saying that wrong? Yeah. Finger? Finger yeah, that t- one's... Yeah. I think that one's part one and two as well. Oh, Me and Mrs. Jones. Isn't that a part one and two? Or no? No, It no, might just... be. Oh, and actually, with the Stevie Wonder uh, Fingertips, part two is actually considered, like, the main song. Oh, Shout by the Asley Brothers is also parts one and two. So I guess par- they really likes to make long songs. They do. James Brown, Funky Drummer, Parts 1 and 2. All of his songs are really long. So. True. So um, I guess, you know, I wasn't expecting to talk about that. But actually, I mean, this that is kind of a thing we should say that we're not covering that in this episode. We wouldn't consider those to be sequels as much as just... Long songs. One, <laughs> one, one song split up into two pieces. Yeah. But released at the same time. Um, what, what we're talking about today is songs that actually, a few, we're, I mean, there's a lot more in existence than what we're talking about in this list, but you'll notice that sometimes a band would release a song, it would become pretty popular, and then some number of years later they would release a second song, you know, with, obviously with a different name that would, basically the lyrics kind of follow up with what happened last time in the first song. Which is kind of an interesting concept because you think of sequels only being for like movies or maybe books, but you don't really think of that happening with songs. True. Um, but apparently it does happen. Now, fortunately, a lot of these song sequels, uh, there is a large gap of time between the original and the sequel, unlike movies, which seems like a sequel comes out about two years after the original now. Especially with superhero movies. Although, someone was just telling me today that... I didn't know this, but apparently Top Gun 2 is going to be a thing. 
God and that's I mean how long ago did that movie come out I mean that was like over 20 years ago 80s or 30 30 years maybe by now is it, so. weird, is it weird that I totally still think the 80s was only 20 years ago? and it's a Yeah, I, like I said, I just caught myself saying Yeah, that. I do that all the time. <laughs> it's annoying. I'm old. We are old. God. Um, so I guess that's one case with a sequel what, case. So, so once they run out of comic book movies, Hollywood's just going to start making sequels to all the terrible 80, 80s movies? E.T. 2. It's going to be it's gonna be like Rio 2. It's E.T., but he has like children and shit, and they're going to be all stupid. And uh, what's his face? The kid, I forgot his name. He's like all grown up now, and he has to deal with like ET and his stupid family because they're back on Earth like as tourists. But they get into all sorts <laughs> of hijinks. And so are you basically is this is this the plot of Rio Two? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know. Minus aliens. Yes, they take ET to like an M M&M and M factory and hijinks, and then, and and then they meet M M&M. and M. <laughs> and then E.T. raps with him and then that becomes the number one song of the year exactly yeah I guess um, I want to kick off this conversation with a very brief mention of a song that we actually talked about in our previous episode because it kind of tied into that <laughs> how many topic. times have we talked about this song well I don't know we've talked about it probably a good three or four times it's, at least by it's, now it's, this it's, is probably like our fifth time it's our theme song it's not but it is the, the song is It's Raining Men by the Weather Girls. And like I said, we just talked about this in the last episode because that was about songs that played well with the gay community. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so if you want to learn about, more about that song, uh, you can go listen to our previous episode. But as I said in that episode, um, that song actually does have a sequel. Um, the original came out in 1983. The sequel came out in 1998. So what is that, 15 years later? Mm-hmm. Um, and the sequel was called It's Raining Men, the sequel, which I felt was a very <laughs> apt title. Um, what it promises. Yes. Um, we're not going to play it or anything. I just wanted to mention it really quick because that is the thing that we just talked about, so I don't want to talk about it again. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> right after. I think you have a new song to talk about, right, Kyle? I do. And we've never talked about these guys before on the show. The next song that we found out that had a sequel is the song California Dreamin' by the Mambas and the Papas, a.k.a. Yeah. the song that's played in Disneyland on loop. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Actually. Seriously, <laughs> I think they play that song every, every, like, ten minutes. But, yeah, I didn't know that this song had a sequel, but it's funny because, I guess, in a in a f- interview about 12 years ago in 2002 with NPR, uh, Michelle Phillips of the band explained how the original song came about. I guess it was 1963, and she was nearly married to John Phillips. He was the papa to her mama. Um, Oh, right, because the mamas and the papas was two couples, right? Exactly. Um, At the time, they were living in New York City, uh, which was having a particularly cold winter, and I guess at least by Michelle's standards, uh, because she was from originally from California. So ah, okay. John would walk around their apartment at night working out tunes, and one morning he brought the first verse of this song to Michelle, and it was a song about longing to be in another place and kind of was ex- inspired by her homesickness for California. That's interesting. The Arctic cold. Um, should we listen to a little clip of that before you talk about the sequel? I think we should. Such a 
sad thing is I honestly think the reason most people know this song now is either, like I said, A, Disneyland, or B, the fact that it's associated with the California Lottery. Oh, I didn't even know the Lottery was using it. That's oh, funny. yeah, they've been using the song for, like, years now. I guess it makes sense. Have you ever yeah. gotten? Have you ever bought a lottery ticket, Peter? No, I have not. I think I bought. I don't like, think. I think I bought like a couple when I worked at the grocery store because they sold them there. Uh, but did I you just, ever win? I think yes. <laughs> <laughs> what they do a lot, and I think I did once, is you would literally win like the amount of money that your ticket cost. Like a ticket would be like three bucks. It's like I won three dollars. It's so like, you just break even. It's like the equivalent of like going to Vegas and like playing like the quarter slots and you win back a quarter. It's like or it's also the equivalent things. of going to Vegas and not gambling because <laughs> you still have the same amount of money. That too. <laughs> That's why you're the numbers man and not me. You keep saying that, but I'm terrible with numbers. I'm prob- math is like my worst thing ever. I'm probably worse. We'll have a math off someday. But yeah, so this song came out in. A... 63 as i said earlier and four years later in 1967 they had a sequel song called creek alley where they basically gave a brief history of the band and explained what happened when they came to california apparently they went to an Hmm. alley and bought drugs oh that's cool yeah (laughs) oh fun fact i think i mentioned this before when i mentioned this group um before they were the mamas and the papas the two were they the boyfriends and the girlfriends <laughs> no that's funny though um no they were part of a band called the mugwumps which sounds freaking awesome mugwumps okay yeah oh that's weird despite the fact that they're explaining in the song what they did when they came to california the title of the song actually um originated because they spent time in the virgin islands and they stayed at a club called Creek Alley. Creaky, Creek, I can't even, something alley. C-R-E-E-Q-U-E. Creek I, I would I would say that's Creek, but. Yeah, right? Yeah. Creek you. Wait, so they named it, they named it after a club? In the Virgin Islands. In the Virgin Islands. To do with California. Hmm. Okay. Weird. Um, so yeah, that's that. Should we listen to a little clip of this one, I guess? I think we should. McGuinn and McGuire's just a getting higher in LA, you know where that's at. And no one's getting fat except Mama Cass. That was that was the <laughs> <laughs> that was Creek Alley, the um, sequel to California Dreamin' by the Mamas and the Papas. Um, one thing I do want to say about California Dreamin', I it's funny that we're talking about this because I think it was just maybe yesterday. I was just thinking about this song while I was driving for some reason. There was, when we were in film school, there was a movie that I saw in a class. It was some foreign movie. It was, some, it was I don't remember. It was some, it was maybe Japanese or something. Um, but they play California Dream in that song literally like 30 times throughout the movie. Weird. Um, because I guess it's about this girl she's working as a waitress or something i don't I don't remember it's been years since i've seen it but she was basically trying to like save up enough money to have a better life and i think like she dreamed of like moving to california out of like whatever bad neighborhood she was in Odd. in her asian city of some kind um <laughs> and i wish i could be more specific but i don't remember what it was called but um 
because she kept dreaming of like moving to California, they played. Oh, found it. This song. It's, oh, really? It's used repeatedly in the 1994 Wong Kar Wai film Chun King Express. Oh yeah, that's what it was called. In which a character that. played by singer Fei Wong obsessively listens to it. Right. Wait. So what? What kind of nationality was this? Was it? Uh, I'm gonna guess Chinese. Chinese, I guess. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember. Hong Kong. Okay. But yeah, I do remember, because like, I like this song, but I do remember it getting a little annoying, because they play it over and over in that movie. Oh. Um, so I guess that's one mental association I have with that song, which is kind of funny. I kind of want to see this movie now. It was, pre- I don't, it was, I don't remember it being bad. It was actually kind of good. Hmm. Well, now we know. So if you guys want to watch Chunking Express... Uh, go find it and somehow and give us your opinion on our Facebook page yes facebook.com slash chunking express <laughs> <laughs> sure uh, um, so the next song that um, we kind of wanted to mention that has a sequel um, and again obviously we're only mentioning a few in this episode versus uh, a pretty big list we actually found on songfacts.com um, they have a lot of different just categ- like random categories that they list songs out by. And one that we happened to stumble upon was songs with sequels. So we're like, hey, that's kind of interesting. Anyway, so uh, one of the songs I wanted to talk about in this list um, was the song Love Child by uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes. And if you don't know who they are, I mean, like the Supremes are basically like easily one of the most popular girl bi- girl groups of the 60s and really the 20th century as well. Um, so they released the song Love Child in 1968, and uh, I found it kind of interesting. Not only was this their 11th number one single in the U.S., um, and I looked this up, actually, apparently they had 12, so this is almost their last one. Hmm. Um, but also, I guess it's particularly well known for knocking uh, the Beatles' Hey Jude off the number one spot. That's impressive. So I guess the song was pretty popular. Nobody puts Jude time. in a corner. Except for them, apparently. <laughs> some things to note is that i guess i mean 68 i guess i mean this was kind of getting near the end of their golden age i guess because i mean they still had a few good years left and a few good songs that that would come out after this but generally i think they were starting to wind down with their popularity by this point and also within the last year within 1967 or so i think um they actually expanded from just the supremes into diana ross and the supremes kind of showing the popularity of Diana Ross as herself as like the lead singer being popular enough, of course, and she developed her whole uh, solo career after that. But I guess one, one issue with adding her name to the title of the band was that I guess um, the Motown president, Motown records president, Barry Gordy, I guess was kind of using this to uh, as like a power play over the other members of the group because uh, I guess Diana Ross was kind of his lover at the time. Um, so she was kind of sleeping with the boss, more or less. Awesome. And and um, so he was like, hey, not only am I going to put her name at the top of the list, you know, of this popular band, but also it's kind of like uh, saying to the other two, hey, you're not as important as, as her, you're more expendable. Um, and he was kind of known for making dick moves like that with a lot of stuff, so... Yeah. So that's one thing. I guess this song, because normally with a lot of, especially in the golden age of Motown records, um, uh, the, the, a lot of the popular songs that came out of that time were written by 
the songwriting trio Holland Dozier Holland. Um, but I think it also 1967, among like the other changes that were happening, they actually left Motown. So Barry Gordy actually grouped together um, a group of other writers under that record label. R. Dean Taylor, Frank Wilson, Pam Sawyer, and Deke Richards, who would come up with a couple of songs, not only for the Supremes, but also you know for other groups as well. And something I found kind of funny is that this group of, I guess, four writers called themselves the Clan, um, which... I don't know. For some reason, when I read that, I can only th- think of, you know, the Ku Klux Klan. The Klan was I don't know. huge in the 60s. Yeah, so I don't know why they would think that was a good idea to call themselves that. I mean, to be fair, that I'm sure that was just like an in-house name. That wasn't like what they advertised themselves as. Because <laughs> um, in the actual songwriting credits, they'll say their names. It won't say written by the Klan. Because <laughs> that would be kind of terrible. That would be awful. So, especially considering most of the artists under Motown at this time were black, so that would kind of cause some issues. Okay, so getting into kind of like the the song itself, Love Child, the backstory of it is a woman has been pressured by her boyfriend um, to make love before she's ready. And, you know, they made a baby. as time goes by, they made a baby, and he left her, so now this this woman is left to raise the child on her own. Um, And in this situation, the illegitimate child is referred to as a love child. So the song itself is actually sung from the perspective of this love child. And she's kind of saying how her life is kind of crap because she was a love child. And I'll just read the refrain really quick here from the lyrics. Um, Quote, love child never meant to be love child born in poverty love child never meant to be love child take a look at me um another thing i felt kind of interesting from this um that they kind of say later in the song um it's not like a main vocal it's kind of like a backing vocal thing but they say like "Mm, baby hold on hold on just a little bit which kind of refers to what the mother was originally saying to her boyfriend of like hey hold on like i'm not ready for this let's wait a bit before we make love before I talk about the sequel to this song, let's listen to a little clip of Love Child by Diana Ross and the Supreme. So I guess a year after this song came out, Diana Ross and the Supremes released another song called I'm Living in Shame, which again is told from the story of this, I guess, love child. Um, as she's growing up and, you know, from childhood into an adult, being embarrassed by her mother. Um, just an excerpt from the song I'll read really quick. Uh, quote, she wore a sloppy dress. Oh, no matter how she tried, she always looked a mess. Out of the pot she ate, never used a fork or a dinner plate. I was always so afraid that the uptown friends would see her, afraid one day when I was grown that I would be her. Um, so I felt this kind of covers the theme of the song of like okay i'm really embarrassed by my mom she's kind of a bum and uh i don't want anybody to know to know her and i think even later on in the song she says like when she has when when this daughter has her first child Mm -hmm. um that she doesn't even like tell her mom about it Mm -hmm. which to me felt kind of messed up that's dark because i guess she was um embarrassed by her mom um, but something I, I was reading through the lyrics and i actually noticed like this the latter third or so of the song actually gets a bit more sad um i guess her mom dies Aww. 
um, which is sad. And um, I guess on her deathbed, she was, you know, wanting to see her daughter again. But I don't, I know it wasn't clear to me in the song that the daughter actually went to her side before she died. Um, but anyway, so near the end of the song, it says, quote, she always did her best, uh, cooked and cleaned and always in the same old dress, working hard down on her knees, always trying to please. Mama, 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 can you hear me? I'm living in shame. Um, I felt, personally, I felt that that actually was kind of a powerful double meaning of the main line, I'm living in shame. Because at the beginning, it's like, oh, I'm living in shame because I'm really embarrassed by my mom. But now, after her mom dies, it's like, oh, she was actually, you know, working her hardest uh, to provide for me and everything. And now I'm living in shame because I was ashamed of her for all this time. You know, I kind of like that double meaning of the line near the end there. That is pretty cool. It's like, we should have used this song for the Mother's episode. <laughs> it's not dark at all. <laughs> yeah, this actually would have been a really good one. And unfortunately, at the time, I guess I wasn't familiar with it. Well, hopefully we remember it five months from now, roughly. Four and a half. Mother's Day episode, part two. <laughs> There'll be the sequel. Part two, Mother Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> didn't I, didn't, I think... Didn't we actually call the father's episode I think like so. Father Boogaloo? I think so, like Daddy Boogaloo or something. <laughs> yeah. Peter, has your mom ever, ever, ever Boogalooed? I don't want to know whether she has or not. Hmm. Um, but I would like to hear a song of living a love. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would like to hear a clip of Living in Shame by Diana Ross and the Supremes. So, yes, pretty good song and a pretty good sequel um, to Love Child as well. Speaking of living in shame, ain't that a shame? <laughs> I don't know how this Oh, I didn't it. even realize that. I That's just funny. I just did myself. I'm like, how did this tie in so well? Um, wow, nice. The next song that I wanted to talk about is the song Ain't That a Shame by <laughs> Fats Domino, which is about him judging uh, the girl in I'm Living in Shame for being a bastard child no i'm kidding um <laughs> um no it's actually a heartache song about a breakup uh that was according to fats at least the other person's fault i just like to say fats is literally the coolest name ever fats is a pretty cool name right like seriously like what a fats not much just being Do you fat think- <laughs> nothing just being fat <laughs> Do you think his name was Fats Domino because he got fat from eating Domino's pizza all the time? I think he invented Domino's pizza. What are you talking about? Folk Radio is brought to you by Domino's Pizza. (laughs) Now with Pop-Tart crust. Oh, God, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's oddly intriguing. I want to try that. Ew, it has like that hard like frosting covering the entire thing. (laughs) Ew. Um... (laughs) I don't think we talked about Fats Domino much on the show, but for those of you that don't know, he's a sort of a R&B jazz guy, super early, like 50s. The interesting thing about this particular song is it was kind of the first song to cross over from the R&B charts, which were at the time still very segregated, so to speak. Hmm. Uh, and it crossed over to the mostly white pop charts of the day, oh. um, which was kind of unheard of. And yeah, especially for that time, yeah. That's pretty cool. 
the funny thing though is like several other songs that were previously kind of exclusively black songs quote unquote it was covered by a white guy and that's how it became popular with white people really yes damn it <laughs> this particular song was covered by Pat Boone Woo. Mm. the epitome of sex um but yeah, honestly we I thought entire, I was the epitome of sex you're the epitome of sex in the modern day okay um we honestly could do an entire episode on just like white people covering black people black songs. songs and being like hey listen to this new music <laughs> that's we terrible should, we should totally do an episode on that called crackers be stealing <laughs> if if for no other reason we'll we'll make that episode just so we can have an episode called that crackers be stealing yeah Concerned about how educated white upper-class waspy people would respond to the song, Pat Boone originally wanted to change the name to, quote, Isn't That a Shame? Jeez, uh, really? <laughs> yes. Freaking white Im- people. Because improper grammar ain't for white folk. Wow. But the producers realized that the original title would sell better because of the association with Fats' Fats's original version, so they decided to keep it. Well, good for them. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But yeah, so that that's that's this song, and it got covered by Pat Booney Boone. Um, well, that's and cool. And when did this song come out? So I can get my facts right. 1955. Okay. So yeah, see, I, I was right. Like 50s total, yeah. you know, segregation at that time. So yeah, seriously. Five years later, in 1960, Domino recorded a sequel to this song called "Walking to New Orleans." where he leaves his place that he was having this relationship with this woman, and he Mm. goes back to his hometown. Well, that's cool. Yeah. And he walks there, apparently, according to the title of the song. Yeah, it's funny that the... uh, I guess this this cover of Ain't That a Shame by Pat Boone ended up being his first number one single. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) The white guilt just keeps going. Right? says Boone likes to tell the story about a Fats Domino concert and Domino invited Boone on stage. Domino showed a big gold ring and said Pat Boone bought me this ring. Pat Boone sounds like a dick. <laughs> um, seriously, I don't listen to any Pat Boone so I can't speculate on his dickishness. <laughs> I can't speculate on the amplitude of his dickishness. Should we listen? We should probably listen to a clip of Ain't That a Shame. Then, yeah, just just so everyone could be like, I know that song. And then yeah. we'll listen to a little clip of Walking to New Orleans. So should we just do them back to back? I think we should. Back to New Orleans. I've got my So that was two songs in a row. Um Brought to you by Double Stuffed Oreos. Now with more cream. Anyway. Um was there anything else you wanted to say about either uh, like or maybe walking not to re- New Orleans? Not really. Okay. Not really. Well that's cool. So if you guys don't know about Fat Domino, you should check him out. I'm sure he's got yeah. plenty of other good stuff. He's pretty fat. As in good. That's true. <laughs> hey, fat can be beautiful too, Kyle. This is true. Burr.
Thank you, Kyle. That's a good transition into our last song. Please, Mr. Postman. <laughs> <laughs> By the Marvelettes. <laughs> that was literally the worst segue we've ever done on the show. It's a burp. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so the Marvelettes released um, Please, Mr. Postman in 1961. This was actually their debut single, so this was the first um, song that they released. Um meant to become popular anyway and uh fun fact it also was the first motown Records song to reach number one position on the billboard hot 100 pop singles chart uh, so this is kind of like the beginning of that era in 61 earlier i was talking about the supremes in 68 so th- that was kind of like toward the end of the motown days i guess mm-hmm. generally i mean they still exist today but you know we don't talk about that um so the thing about Please Mr. Postman is that um, a fair number of you may have heard of this song before. Um, I don't know if you've heard the Marvelettes version or you may have actually heard one of the popular covers um, specifically by either the Carpenters or the Beatles. Um, I know aside from them, there's been a lot of other covers as well, but those are kind of like the two big ones. Something I found pretty interesting is that uh, the accompaniment, like the the backing instrumentation and, i guess yeah is uh was done by the funk brothers who we've talked about before on the show um which is kind of like the house band uh, from motown but they also that also included marvin gay on the drums which i didn't know he was ever part of the funk brothers i didn't either but apparently he was and so i actually looked up when marvin gay started releasing his own music and mm-hmm. his debut album actually came out just two months after the song uh, which funny. was the soulful moods of marvin gay so either at the time he was making that first album or whatever i assume so i also didn't know marvin gay played drums yeah i didn't know that either huh the more you know the more you know the more you funk i love marvin gay he's like one of my favorite artists i didn't even know he played drums <laughs> surprisingly we barely talk about him considering like i know we were serious other than that one uh depressing episode about people that died too early yeah that yeah. was pro- that was easily one of my favorite shows that we've done though. That was really good though. I don't I remember when that that was a long time ago, but that yeah, if your listeners it, were looking for some of our best best of. Yeah, that one's pretty like actually informative. Most of our shit we just make up on the fly and we have like half facts, but <laughs> and half one, fake advertising. And, yeah. <laughs> Please Mr. Postman, wait and see. If there's a letter in your um, bag Well, since me, since you're singing it, why don't, why, so that our listeners can hear the real version of the song, now that they've heard the Kyle rendition, um, let's listen to a quick clip of Please, Mr. Postman by the Marvelettes. Oh, yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Wait, wait, hey, 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 Mr. Postman. Wait, Mr. Postman, you can't Oh, yeah. So that's the song. Um, as you may have heard uh, from the lyrics, um, the lead singer in the song hopes that the postman um, has brought her a letter from her boyfriend, who at the time is away at war. So in the refrain, she says, quote, Please, Mr. Postman, look and see. If there's a letter in your bag for me, why is it taking such a long time for me to hear from that boy of mine? Because he so did. Cool. I was actually, <laughs> when I was reading through the lyrics, I was thinking, like, if they wanted to, like, make this dark at the end. <laughs> they would he finally brings, get the letter but it would be like the letter from the army saying that he died yeah, in combat yeah KIA or whatever yeah so that's um, funny 
but they didn't do that because uh, it's it's, a, it's an upbeat song. It's yeah, happy. they're not gonna end it like that. <laughs> that plus, be I, plus, I I don't think there was a lot of anti-war sentiment that early in the '60s. That's so. a good point. Yeah, yeah, actually, if it was you know a few years later, you know, no, maybe that could have happened. True that. That's, <laughs> That's what the sequel is. <laughs> um, no, actually, it doesn't happen in the sequel either. Um, the sequel is basically um, the sequel is called called um, Twist and Postman. Which actually, because you were, you were talking about songs usually coming out many years later, this mm-hmm. is only if, like maybe eight months or so well, later um, in December of 1961. So it actually mm-hmm. came out in the same year. Um, and something I noticed it kind of capitalizes off like the twist dance, which was really popular at the time. That seems like a uh, cash grab. Yeah. So, and I think the tw- the twist by Chubby Check. I was trying to think of what I know. I looked it up, and it was 1960, so it was the year prior. So I don't remember when in the year, but it was sometime in that previous year. But I guess the twist was really damn popular. And the Marvelettes are like, hey, let's make more money. <laughs> With a song that people already like, plus the twist, which people like. <laughs> so that's Twist and Postman. You know what be really ironic is if in this song, he's twisting and dancing and happy, but then he delivers a letter that says her, her boyfriend's dead. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be a twist. Oh... But I'm... <laughs> well, with that terrible pun um, lingering on your brains, why don't we listen to a clip of Twist and Postman? So that was Twist and Postman, the sequel to Please, Mr. Postman. Uh, both of those by the Marvelettes. So unlike what we were theorizing about, the song is not about the postman delivering the notification of death or whatever of this girl's boyfriend, but he does deliver a letter to this girl from her boyfriend, finally. So it took him the better part of a year, but the guy finally did write back in the war. And uh, I'll read a quick thing from the first stanza of the song. Uh, Quote, Sitting by the window, feeling sad and blue, all because I haven't heard from you. And then my mama said, look, look, here comes the postman, a twistin' down the avenue. He's got a letter in his hand, and I know it has to be for you. He's got the mail sack a twistin' round his back, because he's a twistin' postman. I'm sorry, ma'am, your husband is dead. <laughs> what was that movie that we saw that was... That, oh, you know what I'm talking about? That was shit. That was really depressing. That was actually um, that was a sad movie, but at the same time, it was really good. It was like something messenger, shoot the messenger. I don't know, but it, it was, was not shoot two, the messenger. <laughs> I hope it was something messenger. Okay. It was it had Woody Harrelson and some other dude, and it was about two army like Marines or army officers, who their job is to deliver letters uh, to families that their sons or daughters or whatever are killed in action in the Iraq War. And it was really, really freaking depressing. I think Holy it was crap. just. I think it was just called the messenger. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, but holy crap, was it depressing? Because it captured like really, realistically, people's emotions when they hear stuff like that. It wasn't like overly dramatic or like overly. What's hmm. the word? It was really Roma- real. Romantic, romanticized. Yeah. It was very like like people's reactions were like almost animalistic sometimes like they would just like lose their shit yeah it, that's also like a thing like because that's a, like the characters in the movie like that's their job is to go 
you know, tell all these people that's what happened, but you don't think about like that actually being a job that people mm-hmm. have to do. And that's kind of, that kind of shows like it's really hard to do. Uh, so that, that, that was a good movie. Apparently, okay. So yeah, it's called the messenger. It came out in 2010 or no, I'm sorry. In 20, 2009 and, uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 90%. So nice. that's pretty good. Have you seen any of the Oscar nominated movies this year? You know, I honestly have not seen a lot of movies this year. Um, I need to see, you, what's that? Did you see Whiplash yet? I was just about to say, that movie actually got some cred because it got nominated for some uh, SAG awards, and it reminded right. me that it, exi- it existed because I totally forgot. Well, someone was telling me today that it, ha- it has a wider release now. Yeah, apparently. so now I want to see it. Uh, for sure. Definitely go see because J.K. Simmons it's, in that movie is amazing. I love J.K. Simmons in pretty much everything, so... Yes, you you will really like his character. Like you, you, you personally, know, Kyle will like him. For those of you <laughs> that don't know, he is JJ um, Jameson from Spider Man. That's, That's true. I would, most people would recognize him in. Mm-hmm. But he's funny, very funny. Uh, but yeah, oh, he was I, also in Burn After Reading. That's true. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen a lot of movies this year, um, unfortunately. So I can't. And I don't also know all of the things that were nominated, so because I don't really keep track of that, so I don't know. How about you? Um, I've seen Birdman. I heard that was good. Uh, I didn't see that yet either. Bizarre is all shit, but good. Hmm. Interstellar, but I don't know if that was really nominated for much. Oh, I saw Boyhood. That was okay. I not honestly, it wasn't as good as I. I don't know. It didn't. It's getting like all these awards, and like, oh my god, it's so amazing. Hmm. But it seems like the only, like to me, the only reason it's getting all those awards is because of the complexity of making the movie because it was it was shot over twelve years. Oh right, yeah. With this kid who actually grew up in that time span. Right. But like his acting was okay. I think Ethan Hawke was in it. He was okay, but it was basically just kind of the story of like the super white trash family, and like them growing <laughs> like growing over that twelve year span. Hmm. I don't know. Um, did uh, Gone Girl get nominated for anything? Sadly, no. I think the I think the woman got nominated for like best supporting actress because she played like a psycho, right? Really good psycho, but a psycho. But aside from that, I don't think I got any nominations. And I thought it was good. I thought she yeah. was amazing. Well, if you listeners want to go see any of those movies, now is the time. Unless you're listening to this a couple years in the future, in which case. You can still watch them, but by now you'll know what won awards and what didn't. And hey. you can tell us which ones won the awards on our Facebook page, because we don't know yet, at uh, facebook.com slash getyourfunk. Not only can you find our episodes as soon as they're posted, um, but you can talk to us and we'll talk to you, because we like making friends. Uh, but also we'll post songs and other cool stuff. Um, you actually found a funny image today kyle oh yeah we should totally post that on the page i actually i did already it was just a funny image i found on reddit it showed different genre songs and it's for each genre like pop soul blues whatever there's like a like a i guess like a timeline bar and it kind of like divides the song up in the almost the stereotypes of how these songs are constructed I kind of like the country one. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, yeah. So on the, on the, little, the little timeline for country music, there's a small chunk at the beginning that says four chord intro. 
and there's a huge chunk throughout the middle most of the song that says trucks heartbreak mama said america dirt roads jesus so that's the bulk <laughs> of what the song's about and at the end there's a small chunk this is twangy bits I, I like blues because it's just guitar and then the middle complaining and then more, more guitar. guitar. That's pretty funny and yeah. accurate. Uh, the pop, the pop one is pretty good. The the pitbull thing and pop made me laugh because I never you <laughs> oh complaining my. about that on the show before. God damn! How, how he's in like face. how he's in every pop song now. Yeah, the only good thing about him is because every song he's in says featuring pitbull, so it steers me away from that song. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so fun stuff like that you can find on our Facebook page. Again, that's facebook.com slash getyourfunk. As far as finding us, I guess you can find us on our new host, uh, overmental.com, which at the time of this recording is happening within four days or so. Uh, But by the time this actually comes out, this will be our first one that we publish to that site. So that's the same, basically the same host we've always had. but in the same community that we've always been part of, but basically just changed the name and the website looks a lot nicer. And uh, so, yeah, if you're looking for other podcasts for stuff like video games, movies, uh, TV shows, that sort of fun stuff, you can check out the other podcasts there as well as just if you like pop culture news in general, reading up about comic books, superheroes, all that crap. Uh, fun stuff. Again, that's over, over mental.com. Go watch those movies. Go listen to these songs. Go support the artists who made these songs by giving them money. and um, go, go listen to more episodes of Funk Radio. Go listen to more episodes of Funk Radio. And go support... I'm trying to think what the parent company is. Oh, Kellogg's uh, with Pop-Tarts. I almost said Damn. Kroger, but that's the grocery store. Oh, God. No, they have a brand, too, like Kroger Peas. Oh, right. That's like their generic brand yeah. stuff. So, yeah, that I'm sure they actually have Kroger brand Pop-Tart knockoffs. Oh, God. Kruger brand pressed hydrogenated pastry bits. <laughs> I don't even know what the scientific name for a pop tart is. Like okay. dehydrated pastry square. Okay, I'm just gonna look this up really quick before we go. Scientific pop tart name? No, I was I was gonna see what the Kroger version is called. Um, it's <laughs> it's always like the same thing but spelled like slightly different. So it's like poop tarts. <laughs> I think they're called toaster treats. <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds like doggy treats for people. <laughs> toaster treats. So yeah, go buy toaster treats, which are probably a bit cheaper than uh, pop tarts. I don't know what the taste difference is. But... I'm totally starting a company that sells poop tarts. By the way, please don't do that. <laughs> Find out in our next episode if Kyle starts up a new startup company called poop tarts or find out on our facebook page <laughs> okay. be the first backer i'll be be the I'll only be starting, backer i'll be starting a page on indiegogo give me money <laughs> god anyway this has been your host peter and this has been your host kyle and this has been funk radio which you've been listening to i hope you knew that by now but we're just reminding you Have fun. Until next time. For more original podcasts, videos, and pop culture news, visit Overmental.com. Thanks for listening.